destroy stuff. I guess that's a lesson not to include the evil feature into your creation. I, I always thought you just kind of had to, you know, watching cartoons and things of that nature. Isn't there usually a switch on the back of the robot, evil and good? Do not harm humans and harm humans. Probably for the better doesn't mean I'm not going to try again. Welcome to the show. Topics tonight include military spending, more sexual allegations, sexual misconduct allegations, and a few other things. Yeah, now... L. Franken and Sylvester Stallone have made the ever-growing list. It still just might be the beginning here. And this opening song you're listening to is Wagon Wheel by Kevin McLeod, and you can check out his website in competech.com for royalty-free music and Raft paper. Welcome to the show. Hope everybody has had a good week so far. We're coming up on the weekend, which is always good. Uh, if you'd like to email the show, Adam at Caldwell Madison Review. No, Adam at CaldwellMadison.com. Leave the review out. I think last episode I said Adam at Caldwell Madison. It is dot com. Um, let's see. Minds.com forward slash Caldwell Madison. GabAI.com forward slash Caldwell Madison. Twitter.com forward slash called mad. And you can also leave a comment on Blog Talk Radio's website. Or you can leave a review on iTunes. All of which are appreciated. Thanks for joining. Let's start with this... Cost of War topic. We have a couple documents here. One from the Department of Defense, comptroller.defense.gov, 
and a report from watson.brown.edu, which is the Watson Institute of Brown University, a report brought to my attention by Ron Paul's YouTube channel, the Ron Paul Liberty Report, which I recommend checking out. They give a little breakdown of this too. So there's a report released July 2017 by the Department of Defense. Uh, just a two-page report here. It says, estimated cost to each U.S. taxpayer of each of the wars in Afghanistan, Iraq, and Syria. And it goes on to say, the estimated cost of this report or study for the Department of Defense is approximately $2,420 for the 2017 fiscal year. This includes $0 in expenses and $2,420 in DOD labor. So they, they have on the front page of the cost of the report, $2,000 report. And the rest of the report is one page. And there's a chart titled Estimated Cost to Each U.S. Taxpayer for the Wars in Afghanistan, Iraq, and Syria. And it goes through 2001 through 2017 with estimated costs, I believe, for 2018. They have the totals here broken up between Afghanistan, Iraq. I don't see Syria for some reason. But it has totals. So in, the, in this chart here, they, so they have it broken up by year. They have the number of taxpayers. Beginning with $180 million in 2001. And $209 some million by 2018. Now, let me look up the United States population here. According to Wikipedia, the estimated population of the United States, dated November 7th, 2017, is 326-some million, 231,000 to be exact. According to the Department of Defense, the number of taxpayers in 2017 are 200. And seven, 137,100 people. Where does that leave us? That leaves us with 63.5% of Americans that pay taxes. So back on topic here, the total in spending between 2001 and 2018... What, according to this Department of Defense report, is $1.522 trillion, leaving the taxpayers uh, with the individual $7,740 bill. But now we have this... Watson Institute report, Watson Institute of Brown University, titled Cost of War, United States Budgetary Costs of Post-9-11 Wars through Fiscal Year of 2018. This report has quite different numbers, but includes other factors of war not included in the Department of Defense report. In the beginning of the report, it is written that the Pentagon publishes an estimated cost to each 
taxpayer for the wars in Afghanistan, Iraq, and Syria, which calculates the total taxpayer costs on those wars between fiscal years 2001 through 2018. That report estimated the total authorized spending for Afghanistan, Iraq, and Syria has been $1.52 trillion, and on that basis estimated a total cost to the individual taxpayer of $7,740 from fiscal year 2001 to fiscal year 2018. Using a more comprehensive estimate of global war on terror costs since 2001, this report estimates that a total cost per individual taxpayer of the post-9-11 wars over this period is 23386 And I have some figures here and a breakdown of how they came up with this. So they have a table titled Summary of U.S. Federal War-Related Spending in Billions of Current Dollars. Rounded to the nearest billion. I'll give trillions if, if that's the case. So... And, and real quick, it says um, underneath this chart here in this report, it says this and previous cost of war project estimates have never been counted. Oh, have never counted every budgetary expense related to these wars. For example, there are substantial costs of war to state and local governments that are not subsidized by the federal government, most significantly perhaps the cost of caring for veterans of these wars. So the first category they have here which is which is alone higher than the 1.5 something trillion in the DOD report Department of Defense so the first category all DOD and state overseas contingency operations appropriations are 1.878 trillion we have estimated additional Department of Defense-based budget due to the post-9-11 wars, which is $879 billion. Estimated global war on terrorism veterans spending, $277 billion. Homeland Security spending for prevention and response of terrorism between the fiscal years of these are all between the fiscal years of 2001-2017. $783 billion. Estimated interest on overseas contingency operations borrowing for wars, $534 trillion. And then they have the estimates for 2018 as well. So we're up to... 4.35 trillion and the estimates for 2018 add doing the math here another 281 billion to that and then there is the estimated future obligations for global war on terrorism veterans medical and disabilities throughout 2019 to 2056 because you keep in mind the uh, expenses for those don't just end after the current year and that estimate is another trillion dollars totaling out 5.6 over 5.6 trillion dollars so 
quite the contrast from the 1.5 something million trillion, I mean, 1.5 something trillion from the DOD report. And again, the comparison is $7,740 for each taxpaying citizen to the individual taxpayer. A comparison from that to 23386 according to the Cost of Wars document from the Watson Institute of Brown University, which I, re I recommend you take a look at. Now, it's very long. It's a 41-page report. Lots of information. Lots of graphs. You have to wonder if there aren't cheaper ways of securing our nation, such as taking a look at our immigration policies, our foreign policies, and finding ways to do this more efficiently. Because... You can't really have national security if your country has gone bankrupt. Or if the, you know, mental and physical health of your nation's people is declining because of the money spent on wars and policing the world. Now, I think a lot of other countries benefit from our country doing this because they can take less of a role in military spending and they can have neat little things like their health care plans and their education plans. And American citizens here, they want us to have those same things. Well, guess what? Look how much we spend on our military, our defense, and the like. You just can't have it all. Not to mention that our subsidized, heavily subsidized medical and education system is creating a massive burden as well. Where are my conservatives on this issue? So let's look at this other article here. So I don't know, this is an unverified story I found here, but I thought was interesting. What is this topic? Nation1news.org. Uh-oh, what is this? It looks like it's a website that has a conservative bent just by looking at the headlines. Looks like it has a very young staff. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Their about page looks like it's taken off of a Wikipedia page. Editorial website based in Dallas, Texas. Founded in 2016 by Thomas Dillingham and Michael Motes. Publication is part of the Nation One News affiliate network. Topics include politics, culture, entertainment, they have a show on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Now, I do not see an actual Wikipedia page of this. But their description, or their about page, is a screenshot. It looks like a screenshot. Because you can't copy the text on it. But it has uh, regular text references. Anyway, let's see if this story is legit. George Swigert of Fort... Wayne, Indiana, has filed a federal class action suit against John Podesta, chairman for Hillary of America, Kim Fritz, CEO of Podesta Group, Glenn Simpson, CEO of Fusion GPS, Tom Perez, chairman of Democratic National Committee, 
Representative Debbie Washerman Schultz, Huma Amadine, Amy Weiner, and many others. The suit alleges data was illegally moved from DNC serves, I think that's supposed to be servers, from DNC serves to those at Hillary for America. The suit states DNC engineered a phishing attack against Bernie Sanders by, uh, Bernie Sanders supported by manipulating a URL for donations by one letter taking donations intended for Senator Sanders to a bank account run by Representative Schultz. The DNC created false narratives, including the Trump dossier. So let's see if there's any other news about this online that I can find. Nothing on Google News. Doing a search for George Swigert, finding a, a man that from 1920 to 1999 who is the first inventor to hold a patent for the cordless telephone. And another one, another George Swigert, 56, who's booked into the Zanesville City Jail for having physical control of a vehicle while intoxicated. Um, they do have a, looks like they have a copy of the lawsuit, 41 pages, another 41 pages. Wasn't the last one 41 pages? And the guy behind the lawsuit, he is on Twitter at George Webb, at G-E-O-R-G-W-E-B-B. His title is Trying to Stop U.S. Federal Law Enforcement Involvement in Drug Corporation, or Drug Corruption, rather, and Harassment Programs. He's got a Patreon, so. His tweet about that lawsuit, I guess it, it kind of got pretty popular here. 486 retweets, 793 likes. Kind of doubt anything will come out of, out of that, but we'll see. It's typically thought of that you can't go up against the Clintons, but, I mean, look at the, the news. <laughs> Clinton hasn't exactly been winning in the last year or so. Well, now we have allegations about, or against Al Franken... Two, actually, it looks like. One by Lee Ann Tweeden. Who she writes an article, and this is on KABC.com. Pretty sure I've been on this website before. 790KABC News Talk Evolved. This is their title here. Looks like they're out of Culver City, California. So she sets her article off with, In December 2006, I embarked on my ninth. USO tour to entertain our troops, my 8th to the Middle East since the 9-11 attacks. My father served in Vietnam. My uh, then-boyfriend, now-husband Chris, is a, pilot, or is a pilot in the Air Force, so bringing a little piece of home to service members stationed far away from their families was both my passion and my privilege. She goes on to name other people that, that came on the trip, music artists, some cheerleaders, comedian and that comedian was Al Franken this was before he was a senator Franken had written some skits for the show and brought pop, uh, props and costumes to go along with them like many USO shows 
Before and since, the skits were full of sexual innuendo geared toward a young male audience. As a TV host and sports broadcaster, as well as a model familiar to the audience from the covers of FHM, Maxim, and Playboy, I was only expecting to MC and introduce the acts, but Franken said he'd written a part for me that he thought would be funny, and I agreed. And then I agreed to play along. When I saw the script, Franken had written a moment when his character comes at me for a kiss. I suspected what he was after, but I figured I could turn my head at the last minute or put my hand over his mouth to get more laughs from the crowd. On the day of the show, Franken and I were alone in the backstage going over our lines. The last time, he said to me, We need to rehearse the kiss. I laughed and ignored him. Then he said it again. And I said something like, Relax, Al, this isn't SNL. You don't need to rehearse the kiss. He continued to insist, and I was beginning to get uncomfortable. He repeated that actors really need to rehearse everything, and then we must practice the kiss. I said, Okay. So he would stop badgering me. We did. The line leading up to the kiss, and he came at me, put his hand on the back of my head, mashed his lips against mine, and aggressively stuck his tongue in my mouth. I immediately pushed him away with both of my hands against his chest and told him if he ever did that again, I wouldn't be so nice about it the next time. I walked away. All I could think about was getting to a bathroom as fast as possible to rinse the taste out of my mouth. I felt disgusted and violated. So she goes on the right. Not after, or not long after, I performed the skit as written, carefully turning my head so he couldn't kiss me on the lips. No one saw what happened backstage. I didn't tell the sergeant major of the army who was the sponsor of the tour. I didn't tell the USO representative what happened. She said, you know, she goes on the right that she didn't want to cause trouble. I tried to let it go. She was angry about it. Something weird here. Franken repaid me with petty insults, including drawing double horns on at least one of the headshots I was autographing for the troops. And this is after she allegedly tried to avoid him. After that. Uh, and then she goes on the right, but he didn't stop there. The two were wrapped, and on Christmas Eve, we began a 36-hour trip home to L.A. After two weeks of grueling travel, I... And performing, I was exhausted. When our C-17 cargo plane took off from Afghanistan, I immediately fell asleep, even though I was still wearing my flak vest and Kevlar helmet. It wasn't until I was back in the USA looking through the CD of photos we were given by the photographer, and I saw this one. And it is a photo of Elle Franken uh, reaching to grab her chest through her flak vest. She looks like a bulletproof vest, if I have that correctly. And if his fingers aren't on it, they look like they're on the vest. If they're not on it, they're very close. She goes on to say, I couldn't believe it. He groped me without my consent while I was asleep. And the article continues on from there. There's a piece on MSNBC that's getting criticism right now from... MSNBC's Cassie Hunt, 
This is an article on newsbusters.org by Scott Whitlock, by the way, where I found this video. I'm going to go ahead and play how she covered the story. In a nutshell, she says she was on this USO tour that Al Franken wrote. He was a comedian then, not a senator. Wrote into the script that they should kiss, tried to get her to rehearse it. It was uncomfortable. She avoided it. So notice right away she goes in there. He was a comedian, not a senator. I guess I said it too. But continuing on here. ...him after that. And then he photo took a picture, uh, which his office now says was a joke, uh, that showed him uh, potentially not actually groping, but mock groping her. Okay, I don't know where she gets it from. She said potentially groping, mock groping. From the picture, you can't tell one way or the other. His hands are, are on, and uh, if if I were a female, I would imagine, and I woke up to that, is... His fingers look like they're on the vest, but even if you're that close, which is less, you know, than a half an inch, uh, I would I would say you deserve a, a punch in the face or a kick somewhere else. But she she wanted to throw that in there. Let's continue on here. Uh, while she was asleep, she says that he wrote a part into their skit uh, that required him to kiss her, and that he tried to rehearse the kiss backstage, that it made her uncomfortable. And then she also published a picture uh, that was given to her of her asleep with Senator Franken uh, mock groping her. Yeah. Mock groping her, according to her. This is a from an article titled Victim Shaming MSNBC's Hunt Franken's Action not actually groping. So quite the contrast you can see there. If this was uh, Donald Trump, Donald Trump never had a picture this bad before of him doing anything like that to women. Even at, you know before he was a president, before if when he was just a businessman. Uh, I don't think MSNBC would let it go that easily. And I don't think anybody can really deny that. If you can, I'd like to hear about it. All right, so... After this came out, we there's another story. Melanie Morgan, after TV appearance, Al Franken harassed me too. An article from MediaEqualizer.com. Not really familiar with his website either, I don't think. Uh, article by Brian Maloney. I believe I found this off of Trudge Report, this one. And his article begins with, Immediately raising questions about double standards in the media and on Capitol Hill, a Los Angeles radio news anchor today accused Senator Al Franken of sexually assaulting her. Now Media Equalizer co-founder Melanie Morgan has come forward as well. Well, this is the website that she's a part of, apparently. Recounting her experience with the one-time comedian, liberal, radio host, and activist. Morgan's disturbing encounter was sparked by daring to disagree with Franken during an August 2000 edition of ABC's Politically Incorrect with Bill Maher. Article details the story I went over with Leanne Tweeden. It mentions, according to Newsweek, Franken has since released a statement saying he didn't recall the incident. Quote, from Franken, I certainly don't remember the rehearsal for the skit in the same way, but I send my sincerest apologies to Leanne. As to the photo, it was clearly intended to be funny, but it wasn't. I shouldn't have done it, he said in a statement. 
Okay, so back to Morgan's story here. So I guess they did a show together. Uh, the article says after the show, Morgan said to, or Morgan said Franken wouldn't leave her alone, insisting on continuing uh, this some argument. He approached me backstage, angrily called me out on those numbers, and insisted he would prove he was right. He wouldn't leave me alone. He kept following me as a woman. His presence and proximity to me felt very threatening and intimidating. I didn't realize his creepy behavior after the show meant it would continue in the days to come. Quote, he would, or quote, he approached Carol, the show's producer, and demanded my home phone number, which was clear violation of network protocol. I thought, it was the end of the story and was shocked when he started calling my home, badgering me repeatedly. I became fearful and called Carol to complain and asked her to tell him to back off. But he made another call after that. I thought that he might end up stalking me at my home in Northern California. It was that bad. By the third phone call, I was outraged and terrified as he is really disturbed, Morgan recounted. And she says that Franken finally left her alone, but only after she pushed back and threatened to call the police and make a report that he was harassing me. That's an interesting story. Claiming more more just on the harassment side than the sexual harassment. Still kind of a strange story. Nonetheless, I, there's no statement from Franken on this one, I believe. So, be interesting to see what comes out of that. You know, I kind of thought Franken was gay. So if that forcing that kiss story is true, that's surprising. You know what? I wonder if Franken actually made a comment on that kiss. He made a comment on the photo. Apologizing for that. So I'd like to find that Newsweek article. According to this article on Newsweek, he had to make apologies for some rape jokes in 1995. Or he made rape jokes in the New York magazine feature story from 1995 that he later apologized for. Let's see. Well, he's joking about giving pills to someone named Leslie Stahl and raping her in a closet. So, of course, you know, none of this stuff is proven. Other than that photo, there's a real photo of him doing that. And, uh, and it looks like she's legitimately asleep. And he... He appears to admit that she was asleep. Uh, that's that's something that uh, I guess you know it it deserves. Like I said, maybe a, a punch in the face or a, a kick in the crotch from this woman. Uh, if she were to wake up, if she did any something like that, it's, I think that's totally excusable. And I'm not someone that's really triggered by. Sexist jokes or, or something like that. Um, as long as they're somewhat tasteful, if they're harassing or uh, something like that, it's a different story. But I, touching is always off limits.
And some people are more naturally touchy-feely, but I'm on I'm on the other side of that. You know, if I don't know you, I don't I don't want you to just come up to me and put your arm around me. That's not really a situation I care to be in. Which I think is pretty understandable. And now we have uh, the story on the Daily Mail. Or I, I keep I, I keep saying the Daily Mail. It's daily it's just Daily Mail. There's no the DailyMail.co.uk Exclusive how Sylvester Stallone was accused of sexually assaulting a 16-year-old fan. Police report reveals girl claimed star made her give him and his bodyguard oral sex and threatened they would beat her head in if she ever told. Here are some bullet points from this article. It's an article I haven't read yet. So I don't know the details of it, but continuing on here, Sylvester Stallone was accused of sexually assaulting a 16-year-old fan girl while he was filming Over the Top in Las Vegas in 1986, according to police report obtained exclusively by DailyMail.com. The actor, who was 40 years old at the time, met the teenager while he was filming at the former Las Vegas Hilton Hotel, and she was given keys to his room. Stallone allegedly had sex with the girl, telling her she was very tight, before asking the minor if she ever had sex with two men at the same time. Well, the first, the immediate thing I, I have to think, there's a 16-year-old girl going up to a 40-year-old man's room. She was given a key. Uh, terrible decision. You know, I guess you can be pretty naive when you're 16, but and you have to you have to do the math. And where her where were her parents? I have a feeling that her, her parents probably didn't know about this meeting, and if they did know, it's shame on them for even letting this happen. Continuing on here. The girl claims Stallone's bodyguard, Mike DeLuca, who was in the bathroom until Stallone brought him out, forced her to give him oral sex. After performing oral sex on DeLuca for some time, the teen claims he penetrated her while she was made to perform oral sex on Stallone. The teen told police she became very uncomfortable when DeLuca joined in on the sexual encounter. But she said she felt she had no choice in the matter. Afterwards, the teen claims Stallone said she couldn't tell anyone because both men were married and if she said anything, they would have to beat her head in. Police said she decided not to press charges against the men because she was scared and humiliated. I'm looking down to see if there is any comment from Stallone yet. I think this is a fairly new story. So there might be a response from him soon, if not already. I don't see one yet. But they have a document here on, on the website titled Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department Officers Report Subject Possible Sexual Assault. So you have the police report here detailing the situation. So there will definitely be more on this in the news, I'm sure. Unless the media can think of some more Russian stuff. 
Or stuff like this. Articles like, why neo-Nazis love Papa John's Pizza and other official alt-right companies. With official in quotes. Or this article here. From Yahoo News. Hate in America, where it comes from and why it's back. Uh, more interesting than the long droning on article was the comments below it. Some of the top ones. And these comments are ranking in the thousands of likes. For example, uh, the top one has 7,000 likes, 2,000 dislikes. Below it, we got one for 6,000 likes, 2,000 dislikes. Uh, so just a heavily viewed article. I'm heavily commented on. Uh, you know, the first comment has over 1,200 replies, but I'm just going to go through some of the top ones. It says, uh, Cam's Girl says, Where does hate come from? From liberal media outlets that won't... Uh, I think it lets. I spoke to so won't let blacks like myself, but it says, That won't blacks like myself to believe or that want... From liberal media outlets that want blacks like myself to believe everyone is out to get them and we are victims. Stop insulting us, Andrew Romano, that's the author of the article, and Lisa Belkin. We are not victims and this hate group you speak of is only a small portion of the population compared to the liberal media personnel who want to place people against one another, want to put people pit people against one another, or whatever that means. Grow up and find real jobs. It's too early in the AM for such foolishness. Stop posting garbage. Second top comment here is uh, the most prevalent I see today is coming from the left in the mainstream media. And a third one here. <laughs> I like this username. The username is Uranium1. It's a whole other story here. Uranium1 says... All I hate I see is from the left. Baseball field shooting, Antifa rioting, BLM burning city blocks, the Las Vegas shooter, Democrat, women hating men, Muslims hating on everyone, Muslim or Mexican gangs attacking and killing bystanders. All the hate is totally from the left and the Democrats read the post and tell me different. That last sentence is, is in all caps. Uh, you know, fourth one down by Nicholas. Hate actually comes from articles like this. Author clearly despises Trump supporters. Anyone that cites the Anti-Defamation League, Southern Poverty Law Center, and selected works from leftists in academia is not credible. I mean, you know, I'm going to go ahead and, and agree with that. Uh, the Anti-Defamation League and Southern uh, Poverty Law Center. And, and from what I'm hearing from a lot of college professors, I wouldn't call that exactly credible myself. And those are whole other topics to get into. And, and the, the next comment down, Colombo, Harvard... Analyze media stories about Trump since he took office. 93% are negative. It's 99% on college campuses. Those are two most prolific sources of hate in America. 
Like it's supposed to be those are the two. Uh, either way, either grammatical mistakes and all. Sometimes the comments seem more informative than the actual article itself. And this, why neo-Nazis love Papa John's pizza is just pure stupidity. These people will comb through the weirdest parts of the internet just to come to these conclusions. They'll take a, a post from some anonymous person on 4chan or somewhere else and they'll they'll say it's the gospel of the alt-right. They got a picture of a pizza with a swastika on it, pepperonis. Papa John's, the pizza of the alt-right daily stormer. This is a serious article on Newsweek by Christina Meza. What's, what's else, what else is on here? Right after Donald Trump was elected president, the neo-Nazis also declared New Balance the official shoes of white people. What? <laughs> New Balance is the only shoe company that still manufactures its product in the United States. For that reason, the company's representatives were pleased that Donald Trump planned to scrap trade deals in, with Asia that could have affected local shoe markets. So the company gave a statement saying the Obama administration turned deaf ear to us. You know, we, we like that Trump is elected. And it says neo-Nazis were ecstatic, twisting the company's statements, statement for their own purposes. New Balance is making a gesture to to support white people and to support U.S. manufacturing. Anglin wrote at the time, so this is what this guy writes. So yeah, some some guy on a I guess Daily Stormer or some website like that writes something positive about a company, and and uh, according to this author here, that makes it an official company of neo-nazis such an important topic to put in the headlines at times like this i'm sure now let me do a quick twitter search here donald trump tweeting about the al franken uh, story nine minutes ago as of this recording it is uh, 9.15 p.m. The Al Frankenstein picture is really bad speaks a thousand words where do his hands go in the pictures two, three, four, five, and six while he sleeps or why she sleeps and to think that just last week he was lecturing anyone who listen about sexual harassment and respect for women. And he talks about the Leslie Stahl tape. So actually, a little bit confused about his tweet here. It says, where do his hands go in pictures 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6 while she leaves? Oh, okay, I see what he's saying. Like, that's, that's, the, that's one picture, but... Maybe he's saying uh, if there are other pictures, maybe they're worse, or... Not quite sure. Uh, then he, he Trump tweets about the the budget passing the GOP House. 
passed 227 to 205, according to Trump. Zero Democrats voted on it. So I would have commented more on that tax bill. Uh, I don't know a lot about it. I think it's considered bad for home mortgages, actually. I need to look more into that. That's actually a, actually a topic I'm pretty interested in is taxes. Uh, spending and taxes would be you know probably one of my top two. Or two of my top. However you put that. Ron Paul tweets, Senate Republican tax plan would, on average, raise taxes on all income groups earning less than $75,000. So that's interesting. And there's a lot, not a lot of people that, in my opinion, seem to understand the economy like Ron Paul or make sense of it like he does. Zoran so tweeting about the Senate bill, he tweets, Today I'm announcing my intention to amend the Senate tax bill to repeal the individual mandate and provide bigger tax cuts for middle-income taxpayers. The mandate repeal is a promise we all made and we should keep. It also allows an additional $300 billion plus in tax cuts. My amendment will fix a problem in the Senate bill where many taxpayers would see a tax increase because of the loss of state and local deductions. I will include a similar deduction as the House plan, making the tax reform plan more fair for everyone. Like maybe what I'll try to do for the next show is find uh, a source that can break down the tax plan in a manner that's easily understandable without having to go through a, a thousand pages of a bill. But there will be no doubt that I'll have to go through a handful of news articles that really has no grasp of it until I find uh, one that has a good breakdown. We'll see. On that note, I'm going to call it a wrap for Caldwell Madison Review episode 71. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, the plan is new shows for Monday and Thursday of every week. So I hope everybody has a great weekend and... I'll hope to catch you Monday.